God bless you all. You may be seated. Wonderful name of the Lord. And you know, we didn't plan it, but I guess we had such long announcements, even though we only had two of them. Here we are, it's already 10 till noon. And I'm sure all of you are thinking, are we done yet? Well, hopefully you're not too attached to that idea. Hopefully you give me a few minutes to speak from the word of the Lord today. Uh, it's amazing how we get very conditioned to certain things over time. Amen. I grew up in a time where we had church twice on Sunday. We had 10 o'clock Sunday school. And you know, that would go till 1130 or noon. And then we had Sunday evening service at 6 or so, and that went for an hour and a half. And so we were in church, you know, at least three hours on every Sunday. And now, you know, we're conditioned to, man, can we do this like in an hour? Are we done? One time? Ain't nobody going to help me preach right now. Hallelujah. But, um, amen. Amen. Hopefully we're not too conditioned that we can't give him a little time. Yes. That we can uh, endure time together. Yes. With yes. each other. Yes. And love one another and go to heaven together. Amen. Now I know we're going to see Jesus on the other side, but I'm hoping that all of us are there too. So if we can't get along now, know if we're going to get along on the other side and that means we probably won't be on the other side so get along love one another forbear one another endure you know if, if that's what it comes to endure one another that's what the bible says he that endures to the end didn't say exactly what they'd endure right i mean there might be a lot of things we endure yes even if that's each other and that's all right because we're all humans yes and we're all crazy you know, I know that you think everyone else is crazy, but listen to me. All of us are crazy. I'm crazy. I'm nuts. Just out of my mind. You know, I told, told my uh, Purpose Institute class on leadership, we're all just stinky, smelly, good-for-nothing sheep. That's what we are. We're nuts. We're out of control. All the ways of a man are right in his own eyes or just in his own eyes, right? The Bible says that about six times in 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 very close language, all the ways of a man are right in his own eyes. I mean, there's a lot of messages that are preached that aren't mentioned that much on whatever topic, but, but the Bible's trying to tell us something, that we like to justify what we do, right. what we say, don't matter how evil it is or how corrupt it is or how bizarre it is, we're just, we're a mess. And what is very important for us to understand is that because we are a mess, we're headed to hell. We're all right. going to hell. Right. But that Jesus saves us. Yes. Save for him intervening. Save for him stepping in and, and dying on Calvary. We're all lost. And that is that great mercy, that great grace that hopefully we can grab hold of in this life and realize that it's not just my neighbor, it's not just my family member, it's not just this one that's crazy and out of control. It's all of us. And we all need Jesus. We all need the word of the Lord. We all need his help. Amen. I'm going to take us to two quick passages of scripture today, first from the book of Psalms and then from 
the book of James. One verse in each of these chapters, Psalms 103 and verse 7, and then James 2 and 23, the Bible says in Psalms 103 and 7, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. And from James 2 and 23, the Bible says, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Today I'm going to speak from this thought, ways and means. Would you bow your head? Sweet Lord, as always, I stand in need of you, and I ask God for your anointing, your help, your blessing to come upon me. The words that I would speak, Lord, let them be saturated with your spirit to full of your influence and not simply my own wisdom or man's wisdom. God, help us to grow in you, to grow, Lord, in knowledge of you, to grow, God, in your spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen, amen. If you are much of a government buff or aficionado, the phrase ways and means is perhaps familiar in Congress, there is a committee in the House of Representatives, the Ways and Means Committee. This is an important committee, has been ever since the founding of the country, although there was a short period they didn't, uh, they didn't meet. But uh, it's an important committee to really everyone in the country because this is where all bills controlling taxes come from. Now, shout amen if you, if you know what a tax is. Amen. Yeah, you know what a tax is. You pay them every day, and it's tax season for filing for the last year, right? And so, yeah, we're, we're well aware of what, uh, what taxes are. And since 1865, the committee has continued to exercise jurisdiction over revenue and related issues such as tariffs, reciprocal trade agreements, and bonded debt. From our country. Revenue related aspects of the Social Security system, Medicare, and social services programs have come within Ways and Means purview in the 20th century. So, yeah, it's a big and important committee, and you cannot pass a tax federally. You cannot pass a federal tax unless that bill originates in that committee. That committee is the Ways. And the means. In other words, it's kind of like saying it's the the what and the how. What are we going to do? We're going to take your money. How are we going to do it? This is how. The ways and the means. We're going to take some more for this, for that. It's going to go here. It's going to go there. But it's got to start somewhere, and we've got to iron it all out. The what and the how or the ways... And the means. Seemingly unrelated, I'm going to ask a question today to, to maybe one or two of you. Uh, yeah, seemingly very, very unrelated. We'll get the mic out. Maybe, maybe we'll hear from a couple people quickly. Now, 
keep, keep your answer, you know, reasonably short, but uh, maybe Dylan, maybe you can tell me. I feel like you're old enough to, to maybe know. If you just don't know, then that's fine. Not, not trying to embarrass anyone here, but, but who, is, who is Elon Musk? Do you know that name? Yeah. Well, tell me who he is. Take that microphone and, and tell me who he is. CEO of Tesla. CEO of Tesla. Anything else? Nope. All right. All right. CEO of Tesla. David Lapica, you're a little bit older than Dylan, so you probably have a different, different take. Can you tell us who is, who is Elon Musk? Founder of PayPal. Founder and I'd say CEO of SpaceX, too. Yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. Can, well, maybe we should do the, the age thing a little bit. Don't try it. <laughs> All right, well, I, I imagine your wife might have heard of him. Okay, so nothing to add there. Uh, um, I, I wonder, anyone, ha uh, son, you want to tell us who Elon Musk is? Come, come grab the microphone so we can all hear you. Not, don't be ridiculous. Don't embarrass me now. One of the richest people in the world. He is one of the richest people in the world. Brother Rodriguez, maybe, do, can you have anything to add? All right, he's also a, a philanthropist. Philanthropist. Maverick, you got anything to add? Chuck? No? No opinion. It's going to get into conspiracy theories, I think, huh? Elon Musk, founder of PayPal, which we use pretty frequently to move monies around. And uh, that business kind of made him very, very wealthy, and then he sold it. Then he uh, opened Tesla, car company. Then he opened SpaceX to reuse rockets. And all along the way, he kept making money, kept making money. And, and as far as net worth, yeah, it kind of goes back and forth between him and Jeff Bezos based on whose company is more valued on a given week or day. Very wealthy. He has created satellite internet that's being used actually right now in Ukraine, Starlink. He also is getting into... Uh, uh, I don't know the name of the company really behind this, if it's his company or if he's just funding it, but uh, they're, they're playing around with uh, implanting microchips, uh, computer chips, into people's brains. That's Neuralink. So Starlink is the Internet. Neuralink is, is putting computer chips in your brain. Now, there's a benign reason to have this and maybe a not-so-benign reason to have this. There's medical... Uh, hopes that by doing this we could maybe cure or really take leaps and bounds for epilepsy that, that we'd be able to control the brain a bit better but of course that opens the door to are we going to start downloading thoughts? Well I'm sure that some people are hoping yes which is terrifying to me downloading thoughts I don't want to download your thoughts and I certainly don't want you to download my thoughts Amen Amen. But, you know, all this stuff that we listed, I asked, who is Elon Musk? And what did we say? All the stuff he's done, right? He's done this, and he's done that, and he's got a bunch of money. But, you know, the simple fact of the matter is not a one of us knows who Elon Musk is. Not a one of us is his friend. Oh, and he's also, you know, kind of a backer of Dogecoin, too, right? 
There's a whole bunch of stuff he's done and, and, and gotten attention for, but none of us are his friend. None of us can really uh, uh, say or give, give some type of personal story like, oh, yeah, we went camping this one time, or we were out to dinner and this one time Elon did such a thing. You know, none of us knows who Elon Musk really is, and most likely we, we never will. Most likely, we will never have a personal relationship with Elon Musk. We might know accomplishments of the person, but we will not know that person. Kind of reminds me of the Ayn Rand novel where they all were asking, who is John Galt? And if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't, and I'll just leave that there. Who is this, this person? Bible said in Psalms that God made his actions known to the children of Israel, but he made his ways known to Moses. In other words, the children of Israel knew the actions or the accomplishments of God, his way of interacting, how he would interact with their world, but they did not know his ways. If I can say it like this, that the children of Israel were there, of course, for all the plagues of Egypt. They were there in their safe little corner where God did not bring all of the plagues, and they watched as the water turned into blood. They watched as the flies descended, as the locusts came. They watched as disease was ravaging all of the land and all of the people and all of the crops. They, 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 they saw this mighty power, but they did not know him. They walked through on dry land the Red Sea. They saw the act of God, the finger of God, spread that water hither and thither, but they did not know him. They were at Mount Sinai as the earth rumbled and the sky was black. And surely there was something divine going on. But they never spoke to the Lord. And here is the point that there is a great difference in knowing that once upon a time, a man named Jesus was nailed to a cross. A great difference in knowing that and being able to speak to the Lord for yourself. I want you to know that you may know the story of Jesus but you cannot rely on my prayer life to speak to him. I want this message to get through to someone today, so hear me again. You cannot rely on pastor's prayer habits. You cannot rely on pastor's worship and praise. You cannot rely on my habits of fasting or how much I read the word of the Lord. If you do that, you may become aware of the actions of God. In fact, he may even work in your life in such a way as to heal your body from sickness, maybe even from severe sickness. You may see him acting in this world, doing amazing things, 
But there is a great difference and a great gulf between knowing what he does, knowing his actions and accomplishments, and knowing the man Jesus. Knowing him for yourself. See, Moses was different from every other person uh, that was considered the children of Israel, the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he was at the burning bush. Oh, yeah, we know the story. We know the story. God, uh, God set the bush on fire, and he said, I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight. And, uh, yeah, it was a cool story. Uh, are you done yet? It's getting late. Almost 10 after. You've been almost up there for, for 20 minutes already, and we're just getting going here. Come on. Put it in a second gear, Pastor. I, I, I want to, to reach someone today that, that is maybe on the precipice and they need to understand there is a, a, a phenomenal difference between being a complacent bystander and an active participant in the kingdom of God. I know I'm getting plenty of Baptist nods, but I really wish we could get some Pentecostal hollers. That God does not call people out of darkness into his marvelous light so that they, in return, can keep him at arm's distance. Oh, yeah, I, I know who you are. I know what you're doing. I see you there, Jesus. Aren't you cool? Look at you go. No, you've got it kind of backwards. Jesus wants to grab a hold of your life, my friend. Jesus wants to grab a hold of your mind. He wants to grab a hold of your heart. He wants to grab a hold of your thought process. He wants to grab a hold of how you talk and how you walk and where you go. Everything you say and everything that you're doing. He wants you to know him, his ways, not just his actions, not just miracle working power. He wants to get deep down rooted into you. That he's the one that decides how far away and how close this whole thing is going to work out. But in, you know, modern Christianity, United States modern Christianity, well, we're, we're complacent. We're okay. You know, we're getting through. I'm just going to keep you over there. You know, I'm, I'm happy enough, content enough. I, I don't want you to rock my boat, Jesus. I don't want you to turn my life upside down. I like consistency. You know, I, I just got to say, I feel like um, I'm right where I need to be right now. I, I feel like uh, th there's not one person here that needs to hear this. There's uh, several people that need to hear this. You don't get to determine how close you're going to be to God if you're going to please him. What never dawned on me that I ought to please the Lord. Did everybody hear that? Did, did everybody hear that? It never enters into our mind, should I please him? Never entered into my, my mind, should I uh, uh, really do what he's lining up for me to do? Go where he's lining up for me to go. Say what he's lining up for me to say. No, I want to keep him at arm's length, and I want to be content. I want to be complacent, and I want to be at arm's distance as a Christian. 
Christian. Folks, that is not the Great Commission. That is not what he has called people to do. He has called people to gather other people to gather other people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples out of them. Baptize them. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost and send them out to do the same thing to others. There is no such thing as a bench warmer in Christianity. There is no such thing as a complacent, content, satisfied, at arm's length Christian. You are either actively participating in the kingdom or you are fooled by the enemy. Teach me, Lord, your ways. Teach me, Lord, your ways. Give me the ways. You decide the means. You decide how it's going to happen. But i, I got to get closer to you. I've got to get closer to you. I read from James uh, earlier. Abraham and how he was called the friend of God. Abraham's a great, great character of Scripture, a great character of Jewish tradition. And uh, we, we speak of him in, in, in lofty ways and often don't take closer looks. He was a thriving nomad, which almost is a paradox, almost is a, contradic- a contradiction. Nomad, in other words, a wanderer, right? Uh, someone who lives in tents and just wanders here and wanders there. Like, thriving. They, you do that because, you know, uh, resources might dry up, or the season drives you here, drives you there, and so you're just mobile. You're just mobile, right? Thriving nomad. Why is that a contradiction? Well, you know, how many people live in a, uh, a, a drivable motor home that you know that are just bursting at the seams with, with affluence and influence? Full-time. I'm not talking about people who own an RV that take a trip once or twice a year. I'm saying they live in the RV. I mean, just go down to the mobile home place and you'll, you'll see all the rich people, right? Right, Lisa? I mean, don't you know lots of millionaires at the trailer park? But this was Abraham, a thriving nomad. Herds upon herds. Servants upon servants. Living in a tent. Living here and living there. It's almost a contradiction, isn't it? This happening in uh, Genesis chapter 14, phenomenal little story that doesn't get talked about or preached about that much, where nine kingdoms, if we can call them kingdoms, maybe accurately we would say today cities, larger cities at the time, go out to war with one another. Four on one side, five on the other. Right? The, arm, the people that have the armies, the people that have the money, right? And they're all fighting, and one side's winning, right? And as they win, they overtake, the Bible says, the armies of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. And in their attacking and in their uh, uh, escapade, they take captive Lot. They take captive a lot of people. And what four or five kingdoms cities could not do when Abraham hears that his nephew Lot has been taken and the women and the goods, he gathers together his servants, 
you know, people really, really equipped for battle. They spend all day tending to sheep and cows and, and who, whatever other animals they have. Oh, you know, what they do all day is you know, go and find water and bring it back and prepare this and clean that. He gets 318 of them and says, we're going to go to war with four or five kingdoms. Is that okay? And they rush and pursue after the enemy and in no time overtake them and they recover all. The Bible says they never, never says that they lost a person in the pursuit. How are you going to get 318 people that don't even know how to hold a sword to defeat four or five kingdoms? That's a mighty act, isn't it? A mighty act, but it wasn't simply the act of, of Abraham. It was the act of God in his life, thriving as, as a wanderer, as a nomad, winning wars, and he's not a person of wars. How does someone do this? It's because they know God the Almighty, they have a deeper connection to the source of everything. If you want that kind of action in your life, can I get a witness right now from someone who would like to see a miracle, would like to have a financial breakthrough, would like to have an emotional breakthrough, would like to have a spiritual breakthrough. If you want God to work in your life, it doesn't start simply on the battlefield. It starts when God calls you and says, get up, take everything that you've got and start following me. If you want him working in your life, if you want his actions in your life, you need to know his ways if you want to experience his means. It's not enough really to know just the actions of God. Do you know the mind of God? Do you know the heartbeat and the soul of God? Because I tell you this, if you do, and the more you see it, you'll realize that your needs are quite petty in comparison to a lost soul going to hell. Am I speaking to anyone right now? I need this, Lord, and I need that, and give me this, Lord, and give me that. And and his heart is breaking and bleeding for the millions a day who, who are going to hell. How many among us could do what Abraham did in, in being willing to take your son to a place of sacrifice, feeling willing up until the moment the angel caught his hand? Now, certainly that seems absolutely insane to us. But when I read from James that he was called a friend of God, that's exactly why, according to James, it's that he was faithful even unto this. He was faithful and obedient even unto this. He never questioned God's ways. He never questioned God's ways. And because of that, he experienced means unlike anyone else. And everywhere he went, he just got wealthier and wealthier and more influential. Nothing could stop him. He came back from that battle with Lot, and he recovered not only Lot and, and, and all of Lot's goods and all of Lot's people, he recovered all the people from Sodom that had been taken. He brought them back. He gave a tithe to Melchizedek, and then the king of Sodom said, hey, you know what? Why don't you give me the people, and you take all the goods? You don't need the people. He said, oh, no, no. 
that's all right. I'm not here to get rich off of you. I'm just going to take what I brought, plus the meal you gave everybody because we were all starving to death after kicking tail in the field. You take your stuff, I'll take my stuff, and we'll, we'll be at peace. I don't want you to say that you made Abraham rich. Why? Because God's going to make me rich. Hey, you're not going to take you to heaven, and neither is any other man. God is going to take you to heaven or not. You're going to flourish in this life, not because of your efforts, but because of the blessing and the mercy and the grace of God, not because of any other man, not because of anything great that you've thought of or anything you've done. If God is going to bless your life, it's going to be on his terms. If God is going to give you miracles, it's going to be on his terms. It's going to be through his ways. It's going to be through his means. The problem is we want the means. We want the action. We want the miracle. But do you want to know? God's ways his heart his thoughts well yeah yeah pastor I'd like to know more but but, you know how, how, how close can he get to you hey maybe here's a different way to ask the same question can God trust you Well, if he speaks to you and he tells you to do something, he speaks to you and gives you his word, can he trust you with it or will you just uh, make every excuse under the sun not to do it, not to go, not to give, not to sacrifice? First Samuel 13 introduces us to, to David. But now your kingdom, speaking to Paul, Samuel speaking to Paul, now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. The Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Can God trust you with his commandments? Can he trust you with, with, with money? Hey, raise your hand and say amen if you'd like to have more money this week. Amen. Yeah, duh. duh. No brainer. Can God trust you with it? You know, I'm not going to, but I feel like I could preach 40 minutes right there. I really feel like I could. How much are you going to bless other people with the money he's going to give you? How much are you going to invest in the kingdom of God if he's going to increase you? Well, it's quiet. It's real quiet. Or do you just already have a a list lined from here to Kansas with things that you're going to spend the money on? Well, if that's the case, why would he give it to you in the first place? Awfully tight in here. Awfully tight. Maybe we got our fingers a little too clamped down on on old George Washington. I'm not going to let you go. Not going to let you go. If you'd understand his ways, you would know that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You want to live in a mansion? If you knew his ways, you'd know that he has gone to prepare a place for you. In his father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, he would have told. Come on, you just keep on picking the boogers out of old Ben Franklin's nose. You just keep doing it. 
No one wants to hear this right now. Can God trust you with miracles, signs, and wonders? That's an interesting question, Pastor, because the Great Commission says that these signs would follow them that believe. These signs would follow them that believe, that in my name they would cast out demons, they would speak with new tongues, they would, in my name they would take up serpents, in my name if they drank any deadly thing, it would not harm them. They would lay hands on, in my name, they would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Signs follow believers. Believers do not follow signs. That may be more profound than you realize. You may come to church thinking, wouldn't it be great if X, Y, and Z happened today? There's a a, a defining line between the complacent observer and the active participant. Those who want the means, they don't want the ways. Signs follow believers. They follow disciples. Not observers. I read such an interesting article this morning. I wasn't looking for it. It just came across and I I said, that's an interesting title. Let me read this. And it was about uh, the author making an argument that... um, that, you know, missional churches, they're going to die. Missional churches, they're, 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 they're just a fad, they're going to die, or however he said it, or she said it. I don't even know who the author was. Uh, missional churches, missional things, mission this, mission that. You know, this is our mission. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, 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 and the argument was that you're just, you know, you're bogging down in the work, so to speak, of the kingdom, but you're not making disciples. And so if you would make disciples, then the, the church would flourish, would flourish, would flourish. And, and some of what the author said, I said, well, that makes sense. And some of it made no sense at all. He said, you know, if you concentrate on making disciples, you'll have more leaders then you'll know what to do with. Do you know what no church in the world has a, ha, has a problem with? Too many leaders. No church on the planet has that problem. Like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about at all when it comes to leadership. But you know what was confounding between the two sides? I read a couple of the comments. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, this, this is good stuff right here. This is right. right uh, uh, oh, yeah, woo. And other people were like, I don't know. You know. And, and all I'm trying to say is, does anyone read the Bible? The Great Commission, right? Mission. Commission. In other words, together, right? We're commission you. The Great Mission is to go into the world and make disciples. How are we splitting hairs over something that is the same thing? How are we splitting into different camps between mission churches and discipleship churches? If you're going to complete the mission, you will make disciples. But you know, it was very revealing. And what that says is that people who may be too focused on quote unquote their mission 
or their mission statement or the vision for their group or the mission for their little part of the world uh, is overtaken, has overtaken them to the point that they forget to make disciples. And people that are so focused on just getting everyone lined up and making sure they all look the same, act the same, talk the same, blah, 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 haven't got any clue as to the mission. And folks, you can't have it, you know, one or the other. You gotta have the ways and the means. You gotta have his actions and you've got to know him. You're called to be a disciple. You're called to be an active participant. You're called to give your life to him. Not that you can just at that point go into neutral. It's not what God has called you to do. Well, you're not going to speak for me. I know what God called me to do. Do you? Do you really? Because I'll tell you this. If what God has called you to do flies in the face of Scripture, he didn't call you. God may speak outside of the Bible, but he does not contradict the Bible. His word is forever settled in heaven. And he has called you to be a light shining in darkness, to be salt in this time and in this day that something would be in you that would draw people to him. Amen. That's called making a disciple. And that's fulfilling the mission. That's knowing him and seeing his acts. And then he can look at you and say, oh, that's my friend. That's my friend. We think that we can set that term, you know, we do. Remember the song a few years old now, I am a friend of God. It's a nice little song. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Did he? Or do you just think you're your friend because you think Jesus is cool? And, you know, yeah, me and him are buds. He sets the terms. He decides whether you're friends or not. Because, you know, us, we'll just crack open a Diet Coke and, and just be like, yeah, me, me, me and him are buds. And just have our Diet Coke on the couch and just like we're watching a football game, watch all of it go by. We're just complacent observers. Well, that's quite different than him calling you to a higher place and saying, turn aside and see this great sight. Come here, I want to talk to you for a little while. I want to get into your mind. I want to crawl into your soul. And I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to turn your worldview upside down. Oh, how badly the world needs Jesus. And how badly the church needs Jesus. How badly the branch needs Jesus. How badly Dan Marvin needs Jesus. Yeah, we want to see his actions. We want to see some miracles, but how badly we need to know his ways. If we know his ways, the signs will follow those that believe. The signs will follow those that dis discipline themselves. The signs will follow those that are in line with what God has intended. I've prayed for people in my life and watched God absolutely work a miracle on the spot. I've watched that. I've, had, I, I've prayed for people and watched demons come out of them. Now, I didn't see the demon, but, I mean, what they were doing, that wasn't, they wouldn't choose to do that, froth at the mouth and give their 
head a, a rug burn and roll over around all crazy. Feel the spirits leaving them. I, I, I tell you right now, it wasn't because of anything in me other than Jesus. Well, anything because Dan was so special. I didn't even feel anything. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel maybe no electric when it happened. I got to see the axe, but he's the way. I said, he's the way. I said, he's the way, and he's the truth, and he's the life. You want his actions in your life? I'll challenge someone right now. Get to know him. Get to know him. Get to know him. Why don't you stand to your feet? If I be lifted up, as our musicians come, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What did he say to his disciples again? What did he call them to say? He said, follow me, and I'll show you how to walk on water. Follow me, I'll show you how to turn water into wine. Follow me, I'll show you how to cast demons out. Follow me, I'll show you how to unstop their fears. He didn't say that at all. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That great commission, that greatest of acts, that greatest of miracles is when a sinner turns or as the prodigal. When I came to myself, when I realized I am living with pigs, I am eating pigs' food. My father's servants live better than this. When the sinner turns, this is the greatest of miracles, folks, and gives their life to him, repents of sins, baptizes his name, is born again, is filled with the Holy Ghost. The greatest miracle we're going to see in this life is when that happens. I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of Do you know his ways? Do you really? Can he trust you with the, the mission? Because the mission is to make disciples. The mission here is for you to reach out as a participant. Grab hold of someone you love and say, I love you. Let's go to heaven together. Let's go to heaven together. Why not you raise your hands as we sing today? Let's speak to the Lord for a moment that he might challenge us, that he might convict us, that he might instruct us, that we might learn more his ways, that we might be drawn closer to him. Oh, I have known Roads and alleys of home I have walked The hills and valleys high and low I have seen All this world has to give Nothing is filled 
You are all I need. Jesus, you are all, all I need. Every day I find that you are all I need. You are all. Thank you for attending the house of the Lord today. I hope you can say as you leave that you have been in the presence of the Lord. God bless you. Shake hands and stay friendly. Amen.